Today's episode of Group Chat is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, which is the home of countless basketball podcasts for your brain peace. Let me tell you about One Shining Podcast, Mark Titus and Tate Frazier. It's my favorite college basketball podcast. We've got a number of shows on the Ringer NBA show. You can listen to John Gonzalez and Juliette Littman on Mondays. Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon on Tuesdays. Myself, Chris Ryan, and Julia Littman, we jump in every two weeks with Sources Say, and of course, Group Chat every Thursday. And of course, the newest addition to the Ringer Podcast Network is a little guy named J.J. Reddick. I'm pulling for him. Duke graduate. I don't know if he graduated, but let's just say Duke graduate, Duke alumni. And man, he's he's pulling in some big guests. Started out with Joel Embiid. This week, it's James Corden. J.J.'s podcast is awesome. He is a as good a podcast host as he is a Sixers shooting guard, and that is high praise coming from me. Check out all of the Ringer's basketball podcasts on the Ringer Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcasts. Basketball is very good. The Rockets are better without Chris Paul. Giannis will win the MVP. What if Kyrie Irving is actually God? Basketball is very good. Hello and welcome to NBA Group Chat. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined by Paolo Ugetti. What's up, Paolo? How's it going? Justin Barrier. Hello. Haley O'Shaughnessy. Hey. Wearing a Kawhi Leonard hat that she is worried makes her look too pale. <laughs> it's it's too close to my skin color. <laughs> it's good. It's kind of like um, NFL camo wear. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, the like the, yeah. the camo colors that the NFL coaches wear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Just need a headset. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, today we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff today. And it's easy to talk about the two best players on the planet on any given day. Just you can just you can just rack up the hits if you wanna get get the page views rolling if you talk about these guys. But last night was special. Last night, Wednesday night, I think we got to see fully operational platonic ideal versions of LeBron James and Kevin Durant. And it was it was really exciting. It was like, you know, I listen I love Led Zeppelin. I'll listen to Led Zeppelin for like three or four months in a row. And like, this, is, this is just pretty much the best band. You're really ever. leaning into the middle age of your. I think you yeah. need to update that. No, I don't. I, you guys would be surprised. Guys my age enjoy listening to podcasts too, and they'll appreciate the reference. <laughs> Why don't you say like future something? No, you you can make Snapchat future jokes, and I'll do okay. Zeppelin Let jokes. Led Zeppelin, and then so. Anyway, you listen to Led Zeppelin 4 and you're like, this is great. And then it kind of like fades and you're just like, oh, yes, you're already having this cool. And then it comes back around and you're like, oh, man, this is the best thing ever made. Stairway. That's how I felt about LeBron. <laughs> love, love that solo. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt about LeBron and Kevin last night. LeBron James, 32-11-9 versus the Kings, leading the Cavs, their 13th win in a row. Uh, he was unstoppable last night. And in a way that was he wasn't pressing, everything was flowing through him. He was... He was remarkable last night. Did you get a chance to watch? I know that you were. Yeah, busy. I you did. had a lot of Quinn Cook on the mind, but <laughs> okay. I just want to point out that Quinn Cook having a last name that goes along with like the whole Chef Curry thing yes. is you can't ignore it. Perfect. So no, you sorry. Can't. No, I know. This but yeah, I watched. Yeah. I, exactly. Democracy dies in darkness, Haley. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. All right. But yeah, I did watch LeBron, especially in the fourth quarter. It was just amazing, and I think that. Yes, we should focus on LeBron, but something else amazing that speaks to him is that three of the starters combined for 10 points. Yes. yes. So that's, I mean, also Kyle Korver was amazing, uh, but yeah, it love should be about great. LeBron. I, I really have been enjoying the LeBron love show. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last 10 games, uh, LeBron is 28, 8, and 8, and Kevin is averaging 21 and 10. And they were just doing this screen and slip play 
where basically like Kev would come up and, and set a high screen for LeBron, but barely like not even connect yeah. and just slide down to the basket. And every single time LeBron would just throw this whipped bounce pass. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah, it's kind of like the mid-sized version of what Boogie and AD are doing. Just to see guys that are a little bit bigger and just to not have a point guard in that setup. Yeah. It's almost more dynamic and interesting because it's just such an oddity out there. Um, with LeBron specifically, I go back all the time to what you said earlier in the season, just like how much LeBron is going for it this season. Yeah. Uh, we heard kind of just the messaging, just like what he was saying, what was being written about him. It seemed like he was just going into the season looking to be the MVP, to be that guy again. Uh, and it seems like in Kyrie's absence, he's even leaned more into the whole CEO LeBron thing. Yeah. And I look at last night, I mean, apparently they drew up a play and in the huddle, LeBron's like, no, I'm going for it. And Ty Lue's like, okay, yeah. let's just do that. They said they had some play called Chicago or something yes. like that. And then and then LeBron was like, actually, I'm just going to do a step back three-pointer. Right. Corver classic classic LeBron, yeah. though. Like, he's always done that. Corver had the best quote coming out of last night. And these are from Cleveland.com and some of the other guys in, on the beat there. He's like, he's just demanding the ball. He's like, give me the ball. We're about to win. Like, that's great. I think his, like, self-awareness is really impressive. Like, even when they were struggling, it was like, okay— he was like, chill, like, just give us, give us time. Yeah, we're going like to be 10 or 12 points yeah. from a lot of the game. We're going to be fine. And like with you, with LeBron, you're going to be fine. And then he goes out there and says, okay, I'm going to prove to you guys that we're going to be fine by going off. And it's like, nobody has that kind of control over a game like that. And it's just so impressive. Justin mentioned um, the idea of, you know, in the absence of Kyrie, one of the cool things about last night for the LeBron, and this actually segues pretty good for Kevin, is he's just playing point guard now. Mm -hmm. He's actually playing point guard and power forward at the same time a lot of the times, but mm -hmm. he's bringing the ball up. He's like overseeing this entire chessboard. He's making the right move every time. Uh, the cool thing is, though, is that it sounds like Isaiah Thomas is on his way back. LeBron had said that he has been visualizing playing with Isaiah Thomas by playing with him on 2K. <laughs> one does. I'm surprised yeah. now at this point in his career, like, what, how, like what we know about LeBron, he can't just visualize it in his head. He can't just like play 2K in his head without like the physical. Yeah, well, that's like, kind of what he screen. is. He probably like, has memory. like an Xbox Four where they just <laughs> beam the game into his brain, and he's just like, "This is a prototype." Virtual reality. Yeah, right? but it's he's black in there. Mirror, yeah, so I don't know how much to trust Isaiah though. It seems like he's been saying that he's coming back since like August. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I honestly wonder like when he is actually going to come back. But it is a and kind of a sign that. As I think Chris was on the side of the uh, the fence where telling everyone to not worry about the early results and kind of the defense and everything like that, they look pretty good. And if it's, uh, Isaiah's back in the mix, I think they're going to be pretty dangerous. Like the harsh reality is that he kind of peaked last year regardless, I think. Isaiah. Isaiah, yeah. So it's almost like how much are you going to get from him? I'm, I'm really like it's going to be one of the most intriguing storylines second half because I don't think he's going to add that much to the team itself because he was in a totally different system in Boston where he would have to be the go-to scoring guy. So with LeBron, I feel like there might be some headbutting in there. Maybe, first. but I, I mean, I just, when, when I, when Isaiah Instagram that or tweeted that there was that tweet about like his quote being like, are you acting like I didn't bust your favorite point guards ass? Like last year? <laughs> I'm really excited for his He's comeback. Like, I wanted to ask you guys just a quick straw poll. Cavs, Cavs all the way back. Cavs for real now. Uh, sure. So these 13, sure. 13 game win streak, were just kind of like, well, I mean, eh. what do you mean back? Because like, are you last like, year, do you think that they, are the best team in the Eastern Conference? <sighs> I'm not convinced of that yet. Okay. They don't have enough besides LeBron still. Okay. Yeah, I'd say they are, but it's kind of by default just because the East is still weaker than the West. 
I think so because if like if Kevin Love keeps playing like this and I find myself rooting for him every time LeBron passes like passes him the ball, I'm like and I'm willing to shot in with like I don't know Kevin why. I don't know why I find myself being like Please make the shot because otherwise LeBron is going to be upset. <laughs> like, so if you keep playing like this, I think they're the best. I'm games. very high on this team. I'm very high on this team for winning 13 games in a row. They still have a move to make. They still have Isaiah Thomas coming back. They have Amon Schumper out. I know that he's not. Amon is a very up and down player, but they're going to get deeper as the season goes on. I love, love Granddaddy Wade and just like <laughs> this sort of washed alley oop play that he he has every three games. Yeah. But he has like a good game every three or four games, and he just does. He is like the perfect. Twilight banana boat player right now. And how about Jeff Green? Jeff Green is this is enjoying Jeff this Green and Kyle yeah. Korver just coming in like Green. yeah. Well, exactly. that's my worry though is that yeah they're they're kind of in a groove right now. But the same issues that we were worried about early in the season, we're worried about at the end of last season in the playoffs still exist. They don't have enough wings to go against the Warriors. Uh, they still don't have the sort of like impact defensive players. And sure. So I think they do need a move in order to kind of be a force in the finals but as far as the ease I think they are the best all right let's talk about the west and let's talk about the Warriors because last night uh Golden State played Charlotte they won something like 101 87 Durant had 35 11 and 10 with in the first game without Steph it was also without Draymond so he lined up with Clay Quinn Cook I think Jordan Bell Jordan Jordan Bell and uh Zaza was I think also in the starting lineup they played 12 guys 11 of them played double-digit minutes. And Durant played, I mean, a lot of the game, even though Quinn Cook was in there, Durant was running the offense. And it was wonderful. This is the most charmed by a Warriors team that I've been probably since the like their regular season, record-breaking regular season run two yeah, years Yeah, but ago. there's some variation. Isn't that always what we complain about the Warriors? It's like there's the, they're the same exact team we've seen, and they're just too dominant, and we never know... Like, we never have to guess what's going to happen. But we already know what's going to happen. there's something deeper here. Because it's, like, when... So, the argument for why Kevin should leave Oklahoma and the argument for why he should go to Golden State is was this about, like, maximizing his scoring potential. And just, like, he is the perfect system scorer and he just needs to be in an offense where the ball moves and he needs to be in this, this system that really understands his skill set. But actually, I don't care about that. And I, what I care about is this idea of Kevin Durant elevating Jordan Bell and Quinn Cook into like like playable NBA players You're right, that's and fun. taking over a game by himself and they were like they were pulling Michael Kidd Gilchrist off him just out of mercy at certain points he looked like George Gervin but with a three point shot and like and the floor vision of Larry Bird, it was nuts last night. But like, not to connect it back to LeBron, but like, it's kind of why we like watching LeBron because yeah. he just elevates everybody else, and then he takes over when it needs to be done. And like, there's like an aesthetic like appeal to that that we just don't get with a team. Like, yes, we're gonna praise the Spurs and watch their beautiful game YouTube video and talk about their you know motion offense and all that. But like, at the end of the day, we want a guy pulling up from thirty feet to win the game. Yeah, I think. it sounds like to me what Chris is saying is you wanted him to be more like LeBron. Yes. I, I mean, I, what I'm saying is that the idea of taking one of the true generational talents and putting him with the three other guys that are also generational talents, while impressive in terms of like what it winds up accomplishing, was sort of, to me, it dulled the impact of what Durant can do. If you say, hey, you can play five different positions if you want in like two, in, in, over the course of like two or three possessions. You can run point guard and play center on defense. He had, uh, I think he had like three or four blocks last night, right. including one on, on Kemba that was like, he just 
basically like spotted Kemba from down the floor and was just like, you're just definitely not going to get this layup. Chark like, said this in his piece from yeah, yesterday. Yeah, Chark says a he great said, piece. like, this is his opportunity to become, like, the best two-way player in the league. And you saw it last night, like yeah. you said, both on defense and offense. Well, I mean, I think that's the one thing I've been most disappointed with. And this is something that Danny Chow and I talk a lot about in the office, just casually about KD, because he was a guy I was really excited to see this season. Uh, I'd mentioned this a few times, maybe on the pod, but I just wanted him to be that guy this year. I wanted him to take... Uh, the the challenge of being LeBron's foil to heart and really kind of step into that number one role. And it seems like he's more concerned with being like an ancillary guy mm-hmm. to kind of be like weaving his way into uh, what Golden State is doing, kind of being this chill bro on the side in the Bay Area. Uh, and I think that's uh, most best res- represented by just him saying he wanted to be all defense more than anything going into the season. It's like he will be a more complete player, but I don't know if that necessarily makes him more interesting as just like a superstar and a guy that we're all kind of following. No, it doesn't at all. And what's interesting about that is that what, two, three weeks ago, he had that quote. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he's like, I'm not interested in being the main guy. Yeah. yeah. You I mean, remember that? It w- I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, he didn't say role player, but he was like, I don't want to be like necessarily the leader of any one team. I don't want and to I be the face And I think that this year it. it had seemed like, and it was interesting listening to Kerr with Bill. So if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to the Bill Simmons pod with Steve Kerr, it's a two-parter mailbag. And I, if you like basketball, you should listen to it. It's awesome. Um, but Kerr talked about two things. One was um, it was really interesting to, to hear how deferential and obvious it was to him that Steph was the most important player on the Warriors. He was yes. just like, you know, we look at the on-off numbers of Steph, and they are not not beneficial to us when he's gone. There's that and, famous clip of Kerr doing that in the middle of the game, like saying to Steph, like on one of those mic'd up things. Yeah. it was like Steph was a little grouchy, and Kerr's like, "You have ten points, but look at your plus minus. Yes. That's why you're valuable." <laughs> yeah, he and it was like, yeah, it was like he goes seven for eighteen and has like you know however many points, and he's just like, but then he's like plus thirty two, and. He was talking, it was just really interesting to hear him just be like, the Warriors as a thing is is dependent on Steph. The other thing he said was that, um, you know, like he was talking about this malaise that had sort of settled over the team. And he was just pretty candid about it. Like we've been playing long seasons for now the fourth season in a row. And it takes a lot out of you to go to the finals, to win the finals, to go through the celebrating, to go through the losing, whatever it is. And he's like, we're, we're coping with that, but we'll be fine. We're going to be a... a, a a switch team. Like we're going to throw the switch at some point. And last night was the most excited I'd seen the Warriors bench during a game. Like Clay Thompson literally spent most of, whenever he wasn't playing, he was out of his seat every time Quinn Cook or Caspi or Bell did something. Right. Maybe because they weren't sure how it was going to go. Yes. Right. It gives them something yes. to, right. to yes. butt up against. It's the yeah. uncertainty, right? And like, I think they also kind of have to create these like games within a game. Like I remember Early on in the season, there was like a Nuggets game and the silent reporter for the Warriors said they were playing a game where like between timeouts, they would not, they didn't want to let the Nuggets make a three. So like that was like their motivation (laughs) thing, I guess, or something along those lines. And I'm like, that's really weird and specific. But like if you're the Warriors and you're going and this is like your third year doing this, like I guess it makes sense to have some sort of more motivation. And now the motivation is the Rockets up, up in the West and then like doing it without Curry. That's like you soccer when you were blowing out the other team (laughs) and they were like, well, the coach was like, we'll get five passes before you shoot. Exactly. I remember that. Do you want to talk a little bit about about Quinn? About Quinn This is his first start last night. He he played really well. Well, I just always think it's exciting when an undrafted guy gets his chance, especially like this is the spotlight. It's the Warriors. And it's, I didn't know him and KD were friends or like, 
childhood friends, but that's also cool. He set him up a lot of times. Uh, there was one incredible, like only Kevin Durant with his seven foot, like vision, squirt vision could yep. have made like from one elbow part of the key to like across the court in the deepest part of the corner. And Quinn Cook just had like right. five seconds to take a quarter three. Right. And he shot 50% from three, which is cool. But the other thing is like, can you imagine getting pulled up from the D league the same day you make your first career start? For the for, best team to in the league. For Steph Curry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In <laughs> yeah. North That's Carolina. Remarkable. I was just very excited Perfect. about that. Yeah. Um, I would say that the, one of the more annoying parts that's just becoming incredibly apparent if it wasn't already is that not only are the Warriors the Warriors with their starting lineup, but they are apparently also the Spurs with their ability to just either rehabilitate or find guys on the scrap heap and make them into like pretty pretty good NBA players. Was yeah. It? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's kind of their whole shtick, yeah. right? Is that even while they're blowing teams off the floor and winning like 70-something games, they're working in Jordan Bell. Patrick McCaw is like an actual like 20 minutes a game sort of player. And JaVale, so, yeah. And their whole thing is basically we all look alike. We all play similarly. Uh, similarly. Uh, we all screen for each other. The ball moves. And so you lose Steph and obviously you lose something. But and then, yeah, you lose Draymond, you lose the entire defensive identity of the mm, team, possibly. Yeah. 100%. It's just like everyone kind of is so used to playing all the roles that they can just fill in better than any other team. It's just like, but it's, but it, in that same sense, it's why they're kind of bland when they're all sure. yeah. playing that, yeah. when they're all healthy. This is why and, we're even talking about it today. Right. You know, it's like if they yes. had just, if they had just beat the Hornets last night at full strength, I would not have been like, got to talk about the Warriors today. Right. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we will be right back with NBA Group Chat. Today's episode of NBA Group Chat is brought to you by Binge Mode Weekly, which is back in your life with a bang. Uh, Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, who did one of the most critically acclaimed podcasts of 2017, Binge Mode, where they covered every episode of Game of Thrones with the depth and scholarship of doctoral candidates. Well, the doctors are back in the office and they're talking about different topics every week on Binge Mode Weekly. Uh, the first episode, they talked about Coco and Pixar movies and coming-of-age stories. This week, they covered their three favorite episodes of Black Mirror. Black Mirror will be returning at the end of the month, so to get ready for that, you can listen to them talk about Black Mirror. And then in 2018, Mal and Jason will go back to the Binge Mode library and go deep on Harry Potter. So we're all very excited about that. Subscribe to Binge Mode if you haven't already. It is one of the best podcasts you can listen to. Okay, guys. I wanted to do this thing called take backs. I guess no take backs would be what it was what it's really called. Um, but it was basically born out of it, whether or not Sam Presti would do things differently after these first 25 games or whatever. Uh, whether or not there was anything about how he set this team up that he's like, ah, shit. Um, and then there's, if you look around, there's a, there's a couple of situations like this. So I just wanted to kind of throw a few out there. The, the first one is basically... Um, if Sam Presti could go back in time, would he still do Oladipo and Sabonis for George? If he knew that Oladipo, under his contractual control, was gonna could be this good if they could just figure out a way to play with him? Or is it just like Oladipo would only be this good if he was the number one option on a team where there were no expectations? Here's my thing. I think he would still do it because I think in a way you're, you're committing yourself to Russ. You paid him all that money. So you're not just committing to a player. You're committing to a style. And I think that in that way, you're not going to – like, you, you you already saw that with Russ, really good role players or semi-good role players, like, are not going to take you very far. But you saw that with Durant and Russ, that would take you to the Western Conference Finals. So, in a way, it's a gamble, but it's a smart gamble because you know that 
if anybody could play with Russ, it's probably other stars and not like middling role players who he has to elevate because that's not how he plays. So I think I think he would still do it even though it's, I mean, it's not looking good right now. All right, what would he do, Cantor, for Carmelo though? Uh, I think I still might. Okay. Because you get Cantor off the books for next year, potentially. Yeah. Like, whereas Melo, there's a chance he might opt. There's no way anybody is uh, paying Carmelo or Ennis Cantor that the sort money, of money yeah, right. that he's going to get. Listen, I know I have a, a Melo fetish at this point, uh, but it still made sense for the, the way the team was going. I mean, to swing for the fences and the same thing Paulo was saying about Oladipo, I, I still think you make those moves. Uh, I just think it's more on Carmelo to fit into the actual team and to weave his way into the fabric Apparently of what they have established. Apparently fitting in means just scoring single digits a game and they win. <laughs> yeah, I think the mellow issue is more management than it ever happening. Yeah. And I agree exactly with Paulo with Oladipo. Now, yeah, he's becoming this amazing, fun player to watch, but he's taking his own threes. That's why he's shooting better from three. He's making his own type of offense, whereas before he... Yeah, he had to fit in with what Russ wanted. He kind of looks like Russ now. The way, yeah. he, the way he gets up and down the floor. Well, he had plenty of time to watch him post yeah. it up in the corner, <laughs> waiting for a three. Did you watch uh, the Bulls game last night, the Pacers Bulls game? He had 27 and 8 last night. And he had yeah, I ca- yeah, I caught some of it. It's really fun to see what he's doing. Yeah? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I can't say that. Came I, back, right? Pacers was... are a little low on my watchability <laughs> rankings. Well, yeah. the Pacers and Bulls were a tough hang. Yeah, they. I mean, that we don't have to spend much time on that. Okay, let's do some other takebacks. Or would you do th- would you do this again? You know, mm-hmm. um, Haley. Yes. If you were Brian Colangelo, would you trade the number one? Would you trade for the number one pick? Uh, yes, a hundred times yes. <laughs> Is it that dramatic? Because we're like two months into Fultz season I think we're two months into Fultz's season uh there is no sign of him returning to basketball for a structural problem in his shoulder which does not require apparently any surgery uh Jason Tatum is leading the league in three-point field goal percentage and looks like he's been in the league for five years (laughs) and every given any given night you can watch Donovan Mitchell Dennis Smith Jr. Milikina any number of guys look way farther along than a non-existent number one pick who people are now like, would you, would you trade him for CJ McCollum? Would you do this? Would you throw him into a deal? Let so, me, uh, let me ask you guys a question here. Cause I did a little stare deeply into yeah. my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I did a little Fultz research. Do you know where Markel Fultz is right now? Physically? Uh, I thought you meant like literally. And I was like, <laughs> no, I don't. Metaphorically. <laughs> He's not with the team. I take it. Is he in no. Delaware? He's in Kentucky. Okay. He's at Great some state. some like physical <laughs> rehabilitation center in Kentucky, and I guess nobody said anything. And then someone ended Is up Kentucky reporting the it. New well, I'm like, why are you saying, why are you using this tone about Kentucky? <laughs> what is wrong with Kentucky? That's just a little. Does Kentucky have a lot of random. good physical rehabilitation centers? I mean, it's not like the Mayo Clinic. Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I was just so surprised that like, we lo- we lost track of Markel, <laughs> and all of a sudden he's in the deep south, like sipping gin and tonics or something. That's what happens when you have Embiid and Simmons on your team. Like they they're like overshadowing any like storylines. I feel like about. That's Fultz. true. I'm also just worried about his mental state. Like, I, yeah. I was cruising through his Twitter. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> I was cruising through his Twitter yesterday because I guess this is what you do when you want to research somebody. But he randomly last weekend retweeted a video he did before the draft with the Players Tribune about his like signature move, about that's his signature good spin content. move. That's Love good it. content. That's <laughs> recirculating <laughs> content. Hey, let me remind yeah, you guys. Let me guys? remind you guys there's how no, good I am. There's no news peg to hook it to because he hasn't been playing. <laughs> Sometimes, you know what? 
that's the problem with the media these days. Wow. <laughs> We're all driven by headlines. <laughs> and if it's good content, it deserves to be recirculated to just have an, a second chapter. Sure. Also, there's no hooks. That would be like a very editor thing to say. So yeah, 100%. very on brand for you. I'm just I'm just looking for the. Don't you recirculate when it's relevant? Uh-huh. That's what I'm so. saying. <laughs> Ask me whether or not I want to see Markel Fultz in the G League. Do you want to no. see? Did you say G <laughs> League or D League? It's G League. Okay. It? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. making sure. Yeah, I do. Neither. I don't <laughs> want to see him in either one of those. I do not want to see him in Delaware. Would you do the trade again? That's the question. Yes. Yes. Okay. I went back. Just FYI. I also did some research Ooh. and I went back and read what people were saying about Markel Fultz and nobody could have called this. Like, Well, okay, but saying do the trade, I want to be clear, does not mean drafting Markel. I, it, mm. But it does. Right? Okay, so like, is that I mean, your like, question? Or is that yeah, your answer? Yeah, I think is that just basically take, I mean? like now they don't have that, like the pick is now like, you know, they, they gave up a lot to get him, you know, and I just, I'm just saying like, if you're Brian Colangelo and Embiid and Simmons and Sharch and and Covington and JJ is basically your starting lineup anyway. Like Markel doesn't even, I don't even know what Markel does here. It's like, you could have had another wing. You could have done all sorts of stuff with that number three pick. And instead we're, we're kind of in the spot where we're at. We're just like yet another draft pick in, in limbo, the same way that Embiid and Simmons were with their injuries, the same way Okafor has been with his ability to play. And the same way now we've got, you know, Nerlens and then Al, and now we got Markel. It's, it's actually like a pretty tattered history when you think about the, 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 the height of the pick that they're making. All right, well, we don't have to keep talking about Markel. I want to ask about some other ones. Haley. Yes. If you're Magic Johnson. Okay. Do you make the Lonzo pick? Okay. So this is what I think about that. I really think that Magic Johnson has way too much pride to take anything like that back. Sure. Here, sure. I don't want to make this sound like I'm predicting anything about Lonzo's future because I think he's one of those guys who like oh, two, three years might surprise us into being the player everyone thought he was going to be. Okay. Here's what I want to say. He should take it back because the plans for next year's Lakers or what we all think it's going to be is a win now team. Mm-hmm. Let's get LeBron. Let's get Paul George. Mm-hmm. Lonzo's not ready for that. Lonzo's not a part Mm -hmm. of that. You're yanking him when you need to win games. Yeah. He's not a win now type of prospect. He needs time, clearly. Is he a win ever type of prospect? I think those concerns are valid. I'm not willing to move off my initial analysis of him or just, just idea of him. I still think that around better players, he would be very good. I don't know if that necessarily means he's going to be a superstar. I don't know if that necessarily means he was like worthy of the number two pick, but I think he's the type of guy you want on your team. And if you're looking at the Lakers, they kind of need those guys. If you're saying Brandon Ingram is our kind of de facto Kevin Durant, he's kind of a, mm-hmm. a KD light where he's the scorer. He's going to actually be the one putting in the bucket. You want guys to feed him. And I think they make a natural duo for that reason. Uh, I think that we need to lose the expectations put upon him sure. based on the number two pick rather than just like throwing him in like the, the dumpster altogether. That, that's obviously hard because you have LaVar talking all the time and right. you know everybody just he's such a compelling figure. But I mean, I, I agree with you. Like I wouldn't take it back if you're magic because I feel like the backlash if he wouldn't have taken Lonza would have been even bigger, even if Lonza would have like semi panned out like yeah, there's I, I no just, way yeah i mean he basically like the, the narrative is yeah. too strong it was it was written in the stars that this was going to happen yeah. and they, it actually came through so i i don't understand i can't imagine a scenario 
in which Magic Johnson coming back to the Lakers, bringing back Showtime, bringing back legitimacy to the Lakers organization and a homegrown talent who has basically been pining to play for the Lakers since he was born is like right there and he's a point guard and you're just like, eh. You mean you did the D'Angelo Russell deal? Like that was like, the, the, it was the, the the boat left the dock after right. that. Do Mom? you take that back? What, the D'Angelo Russell right. deal? Yes. No, I don't take that back. I think that I think that it was best for all parties involved. I don't think that, I don't think it would have worked here. It just was one of those yeah. things where I think he kind of like, had sort of alienated himself from the team. I think that he had issues with like both ways going with trust with the coaching staff. And I think he's in the perfect place. I would argue that was more Magic's doing than anything. He basically writ him off before he even got to yeah. the team. Yeah. I think I think that is the concern with Magic. He has a very specific viewpoint on how things go. I mean, he's been tweeting about it since yes. like for the past 10 years. <laughs> yes. So, and it seems like he's taken that approach to the team. And I don't know if that's necessarily the most prudent way of going about building a team. And there's been a few times this season, this season where like you look at the Lakers and you're like, wow, like Lonzo would be nice next to a score first guard. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what could D'Angelo have been that guy? Sure. You know, like it's revisionist history and I think they made the right move. But in the same way, you always wonder like what if with D'Angelo? Because I think, I mean, he's injured right now, but I think he played really well at the start for the, for the Nets. So for sure. All right. Another no take back. Would the Wolves ownership take back giving this much control to Tom Thibodeau. All right, here's what I think. You guys hang on with me through this. I think that they... So normally when we have a coach front office hybrid, right? Mm -hmm. We always regret the front office part. These yes. guys get drunk with power. Yeah, it's never like, it's, oh man, he's such right. a good GM. I wish right. he wouldn't coach. Right. right. <laughs> okay, that's what this is. Think about yes. all the guys he brought in over the summer, right? Yeah. Jeff Teague... Jimmy Butler, and we Taj Gibson, who everyone was like, whatever, but he's actually playing really well. Right. He's playing a lot too. But <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. All 32 right, years old. Yeah. Okay. So I think that he did a really good job in the front office. He's not doing a good job as the coach. They, they're they like rarely okay. doing set plays. Their defense is a mess, and he's supposed to be a defensive guy. He he's can't playing starters 40 minutes now. <laughs> Right. Yeah. He's like wearing everyone out. And I think that they're really upset about it. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't look like there's great chemistry either both with him. Like it doesn't seem like they have a lot of respect for what he wants them to do. And also among the team. So, yeah, I would take back the coach part, but not the front office it part. It seems like this team is missing a Noah. And I think people thought, oh, mm -hmm. Taj and Jimmy have played for him in Chicago and they're going to teach these kids the right way. But they are missing. I think Jimmy has the has parts of that in him. Yeah. But he is a kind of a little bit more of a difficult personality, whereas Noah is just such a classic, like, leave it all in the field gladiator guy. Yeah. And that even though his body eventually broke down probably because of that and also because he was wearing, like, Lecoq Sportif sneakers for most of the beginning <laughs> of his career. Uh, Some Peugeots. They need, they don't right now have somebody who is not only, like, I am his, Tibbs' floor general, but I am also, like, so 125% bought into the things that he preaches. And Jimmy seems to be more like what he's asking us to do, like we're doing it. And then like these idiots don't know how yeah. to execute. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like, yeah. And it, now it's become pretty much a nightly thing on Twitter to like be like, oh, look at Jimmy yell at Taj. Look at Jimmy yeah. yell at Carl Towns. Look at Jimmy say something kind of sarcastic about how many minutes he's playing, but also sort of mean it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the solution well, is. I, doesn't, I don't see Tom Thibodeau waking up one day and being like, oh, yeah, it turns out rest is important. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, to your point, like, I feel like Noah would connect with Towns. And he's kind of the most confounding yeah. player on that team because he's been good, but not as good as we 
probably want him to be. And so I think in that sense, I some you're right. Like somebody like Noah would probably connect with Towns more so than somebody like Jimmy who's just telling him, like, play defense. Let me take this one step further. Would you still do the Jimmy Butler trade? Yeah, 100%. Because yes. here's my argument. Yeah, you have to. Here's my argument, though. I think if you just don't import Tibbs altogether, you don't let him be the coach or the GM, and you just kind of build with the youth, you mm-hmm. get Lori Markinen instead of... Jimmy Butler. Now you're you have a much more dynamic team, or Donovan Mitchell, or Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I think you just kind of there was this assumption that because Towns was so ready, NBA ready, even though now we're starting to see that he isn't. Like maybe his body, maybe his game is, but maybe not his just approach overall. Uh, but I don't know why we hit the fast forward button on this team and said they needed to be in the playoffs. They're so good, but they need to be in the playoffs but, instead of just building more out through the youth, taking yes. advantage of those few precious opportunities at the top of the draft and saying, no, we're just going to try to go for the third or fourth mm. best team in the West. Yeah. I see what you're saying, and that makes sense, but you have to think about the actual mentality of the pieces that they have. Everyone, it's very clear, except for Jimmy, in the young with the young guys is trying to get theirs. They're trying to get their shots. Yeah. Right, exactly. So you need someone Are you talking like, about the bench guys like like Shabazz? No, or? I'm talking about well, okay, yes. Always Shabazz. <laughs> yeah. That's never a question. But I'm talking about Wiggins and Carl. Yeah. Right. They're it, always trying to get theirs. Yeah. Jimmy and Thibs have very much been the adults, but I guess what I'm wondering is would it help if it was more of like a Lakers situation, a young Thunder situation? A sixer situation all, where they yes. were just like, Hey, mm-hmm. this is if we get to forty, this is like basically a title winning team for us. Let's go Not do this they, together. They they, yeah. they 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 have been on the outside looking in of the playoffs for such a long time that I think that there is some anxiety. I think there's some anxiety around the ownership there. You know what I mean? Like it's been a long time. They dealt love. They got Wiggins, but Wiggins didn't turn into a franchise player. He's a very good player. But this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Durant and LeBron earlier, which is these different situations where you see these incredible talents put in positions every once in a while to basically play at their maximum ability. And are you seeing that from Towns? Or are we, are we seeing Towns being, even though you look at Towns' line and you're like, oh man, 32 and 15, must have had a good night. But then why is everybody yelling at him and why? Well, it's a, de- <laughs> it's a defense, right? Like that's where, that's where you're like, okay, you, we know you can score. We know you can pass the ball. We know you can be an offensive, a dynamic player, but can you defend? And like the problem is that this team needs him to defend. It's not like just like, just to pr- for him to prove his worth. It's just, the team actually needs a seven footer, like, you know, a guy to to be a rim projector, and he's not being that. Yeah, I would just, I'm a little worried that there seems to be mounting evidence and like kind of uh, noise that's saying, Towns, you need to get your shit together. Mm. And not only from the media, because we just bitch about everything, yeah. right. but from his own team, Jimmy Butler is just riding his ass constantly. Right. And he still hasn't put it into gear and being like, oh, by the way, I'm a top five talent. I should go and yeah. do what these guys do. I think this ties to your point earlier, which I kind of now agree with that. Maybe if you don't have Butler in there, there's, (laughs) there's like a different kind of chemistry. I I, I don't, I I think you still make the gamble. And if you have the availability, availability to get a superstar like that, but in a way you're right. Like there would be less pressure, more time to, you know, mold the young guys together and have them succeed, especially in the West this year. I feel like they would still make the playoffs with those two guys. Right. They could. Let's run through a few more of these take backs rapid fire. Haley, I'm going to go to you for this next one. Do the Suns wish they could take back taking Josh Jackson over De'Aaron Fox, Frankie Smokes, Dennis Smith Jr., or most importantly, the rocket to the moon, Donovan Mitchell? Do you? So do you really want me to talk about you, this Jackson, is, or do you want me to talk no, about we're, Donovan we're Mitchell? we're all clearing out for you here. Okay. Yeah. I, so. I want to tell you guys a beautiful story yes. about a little girl. 
My parents. All right, I guess I ruined that. The little girl's me. <laughs> my parents told me all the time growing up about Daryl Griffiths. Daryl right? Griffiths, yeah. Yes. Louisville legend. Brought us our first championship. Lifetime jazzer. The most beautiful full circle thing happened the other night when Donovan Mitchell broke his franchise rookie scoring record. That was such a lovely thing to watch. Wow. I know, I know. But also I just want to say it's so validating to have a Louisville player just kill it in the NBA. And like right away because everyone's like, oh, Terry Rozier, like fun, hipster, off the bench guy to appreciate. Gorgie Jang, great role player. But I mean, and okay, going into history a little bit like Earl Clark, Francisco Garcia. Mm -hmm. But it's so fun for someone to be exciting like that. And I also think it's really cool. It's the same franchise. But I want to give this time also to Paulo, who wrote an amazing oh. piece on Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Well, it was like, I felt really like Haley this week. because I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've blogged about Donovan Mitchell and the Wolves. So it was kind of like, okay, I hope I impersonated her well. Your to hair's be fair, looking um, a little blonde. It's, very, yeah. Yeah. it's almost you're Hitchcockian. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're wearing the same color jacket too. Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, I think Donovan Mitchell, I think the comparison I met in, in, in the piece was he kind of looks a little bit like Damian Lillard mm. in the sense that like he's so aggressive like you almost want his the way he's aggressive that's what you kind of expected from Lonzo maybe not in a scoring sense but in the up and down the floor kind of sense and I think you're seeing that so much from Mitchell and he's like not afraid to take it like the Jazz literally need him to be that way right now and he's doing it. and it's so fun to watch like the way he just can pull up so quickly for a three but also like fake you out and go to the rim and score like super like he's he's so nimble and fun and fast and like all, all and the things super you said athletic. Yeah, and exactly. I you also pointed out that while he had early season struggles shooting the three-pointer and shooting at Isn't all his field goal percentage going up like 10 percent a month now yeah <laughs> it is and in your piece you said with catch and shoot especially he right. was like shooting 44 percent or something and that it with pull-up jumpers he was the best of all rookies yeah Justin, See? There you go. just we, takes time. We, we've completely neglected talking about Josh Jackson, the number three yeah. pick or number yeah. four pick of the NBA draft. I was just going to circle back to this. I think uh, Josh Jackson's fine. Okay. I honestly, I, his offense is going to be a work in progress. His shooting is going to be a work in his progress. His handle is a work in progress. Yeah, everything mm. except for his defense. But he's like a total badass on defense. Yeah, and he's, I think uh, what's 2.3 steals a game right now or something? He, yeah, and he gets after it. And I think that's the type of guy I want on my team. Like, he's probably the type of guy you're going to need more around him, which is why the Suns, it's good that they keep getting <laughs> top five draft picks because yeah. they'll have uh, enough of that already. Because I think he's the type of guy that can lead your team. I think he's like an emotional sort of leader, and that's fun. Would I'm you do... They would never do that. I was just thinking, like, Josh, Josh Jackson... <laughs> I don't know. They might. It's no, the Suns. They might Josh Jackson playoff wing defender if you could get, like, a haul mm. for him. I just think if you could get something for him. We're talking Cavs here? Yeah, I'm just, I was kind of thinking about the Brooklyn pick. I know that that's mm. a great pick, but I was just wondering, like, will the next year's pick be definitely better than Josh Jackson? I, think I don't so. know. We're, we're, wasn't the scenario that with Kyrie to Phoenix, it would have been like Josh Jackson mm -hmm. plus something Bledsoe, else? right? And they yes, said no. And they, right? Yeah. Wasn't that the rumor? Yeah, I think so. Josh, the thing about Josh Jackson is... I bet they'd do a take back on that. <laughs> right. Earl Watson right. would. Earl Watson would yeah. definitely do a take back. Let's burn through like one or two more of these. Clippers signing Blake and sign and trading Gallo instead of rebuilding Justin. Anyone who says no to this, I'm just saying like on walk, walk out of yeah, here right every, Have you watched a Clippers game recently? No, I actually, they are falling into the Pacer zone. Oof. <laughs> they, yeah. The Pacer zone. <laughs> yeah. It's just very sad. Like I had to watch once when I was working a night shift uh, the other day. I was is legitimately upset at the TV for even existing because it's just like there's so much like 
grouchiness and malaise and DJ yeah. doesn't seem like he wants to be there. He's trying out new hairstyles. None of them are really working. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's just a very bleak scenario. Yeah. They need Milos. They need some burgers in <laughs> uh, just the post-game locker room to really lighten this thing up. But I don't know how it gets better in a significant enough way to, yeah. to really kind of... Uh, I thought, regret that. I really thought when they hired Jerry West that they would go the rebuilding route, and sure. I think they eventually will. Uh, but it was just it's just not fun to watch, and it sucks as a fan because you want like the late game, you want a late game. Yeah, you, know, you, you really want, you want to just put something teams on. Yeah, exactly. Like if the, if the Kings and Clippers were good this year, life would be remarkable. far yeah. from perfect, but much more palatable. Agreed. All right, let's wrap up this pod by playing a game called How Is This Happening. Because there's a lot of stuff happening in the NBA right now, but there are these like sort of under, you know, undercurrents where you're like, wait, how is this happening? And the first one I want to go to Justin with, because this is a pet project of his, is <laughs> how TF is Boogie this good without AD in a, with a New Orleans team with like an old carburetor from a Chevy, then a <laughs> chassis from a Ford, Dodge Dodge axle, wheel axle. Like what is going on and how is Boogie driving this bus into the playoffs and a few spinners uh, to go along with the concoction you <laughs> yeah. made. Uh, my latest gripe in the office, and I have a lot of them, Lord knows, uh, is that Anthony Davis has been way better than Demarcus Cousins, uh -huh. and yet everyone keeps saying that Demarcus Cousins has been better. You want to know why Demarcus Cousins is better? Strong groin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, his, Just, his left adductor is falls yeah, to the ground, perfect. clutching his groin, and you're right. like. Oh no, this guy's never playing basketball again. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's a little confusing though because the Pelicans are a minus 12.2 net rating. They're the bizarro thunder. Yep. <laughs> well, they, when AD is off the court and Cousins is on it, they're actually a giant negative. Uh -huh. And when they were playing the Warriors, the game where Boogie, let's point out, got kicked out of, yeah. uh, they went on their big run when Boogie was off the court. And so I think it's a little bit of a small it's sample size. Leadership. <laughs> Maybe look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> okay. Um, I do feel like they have kind of done a good job of filling out around them. Like a lot of the guys are going to catch a lot of flack because they're just spare parts. As you mentioned, Jameer Nelson, who wasn't even on the team to start I, with. I, I, ride or die for Jameer. St. Joe's, Joe's strong. Rondo, wow. like the stats hate him. Like he's, I think he's still a negative in the net Everybody rating. Everyone else does too, apparently. <laughs> Everyone else does too. But he's like, he gives them kind of like a steadiness that uh -huh. I think they appreciate. But Etwan Moore is like, having a career he's been very good from on the outside Darius Miller they just imported from like Germany or something like that and he's shooting 40% from three so I guess this is a very long way of saying I think they have enough that fits Alvin Gentry's system which they had done a terrible job yeah. at before right. and the whole thing about the Suns the seven seconds or less, less era it was it kind of elevated guys that kind of just fit what they do yes. and it's now hard to get those sort of players because everybody wants those players. Yes. But they seem to have found enough where it's like, okay, they're eighth, seventh seed in the West type good. Yeah. I and, think then, like, and then we get to watch Boogie and KD in the first yeah. round of the playoffs. I mean, That'd be great. So like last night he had 40 points in 22 rebounds. Yeah, 20, just, 20 rebounds. just so 40 it's like, and 22. It's like, not a big deal. Whatever. But, but I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> but like to Justin's point, I don't think that that's sustainable. That's why it didn't work out in Sacramento, right? Like he right. couldn't carry a team to the playoffs by himself. Like nights like last night are super fun to watch him do that. But... He's remarkably better with the AD on the court. Obviously, you know, it's, it's, I'm not breaking any news here, but I think it's fun to watch Boogie now, but I think AD needs to come back for them to be like a contender. AD uh, covers a lot of his right. like biggest flaws. He, Boogie still doesn't play a lot of defense. He has four blocks last night, I think, but still like he's a below the rim type of player. Uh, you're not going to get the same sort of athleticism and, and imposing force in the blocks when you have a guy like him there. 
I, I, I like watching them play when they're on the court together for sure. Uh, Haley, yes. how TF did the Spurs revive Rudy Gay? And is this the 37th version of, man, Greg Popovich <laughs> is the coach of the year. The Spurs just did it again. Yeah, he is, but it's also circumstance. Yeah. With two of your scorers out, uh-huh. with Tony Parker out, with Kawhi Leonard out, Anyone who is a scorer... And Kyle Anderson got hurt come, too, which I right, think is going to probably put a dent right. in the Anyone who can hopes. come in and give you aggression on offense is like a $20 bill on the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like they really need him right now. He looks... I'm not going to say he looks. He is very important to them right now. So I think everyone was like, oh, you know, Achilles injury, like 31. He's done. But no, he's still aggressive on offense. He went and- to that Kentucky rehab center. <laughs> I heard... <laughs> <laughs> he did have a gr- uh, great higher education that Rudy got. All right, all right. So this is we're, we're all letting our biases <laughs> yeah. come out today. And so yes, Rudy Gay, Kentucky, Connecticut University, yes. University of Connecticut. Although it's probably important to point out that he was just really wishy washy at Connecticut. Was kind of shitty to watch and was throughout his entire career up until this point. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of pent up frustration. Yeah, there. I think it probably helps that like this is his last stop. This is the last he needs to do it. Paolo, how uh, TF? Is Bradley Beal suddenly the Wizards' best player? I know that this has an obvious answer. Yes. But we are now getting to see a much, an expanded version of the Bradley Beal universe. I think this is who Bradley Beal has been all along. He just need, he just needed wow. he just needed the space to operate, and now he has it. It's <laughs> kind of a little bit. Well, it, it's kind of like a little bit like the boogie thing, like with John Wall out. Like you're going to need somebody to plug in there and like score. So I think he's fulfilling that in itself. So I, I mean, I don't know. He's just a lot of fun to watch and I really enjoyed watching him and the Wizards need that right now. Like otherwise they, they, would, they, they wouldn't stay competitive in the East. Yeah, but he sucked. Like the first five <laughs> games that Wall was out. Like he he sucked. Thank you, Haley. Okay, yes. Like but, I watched those games. He like, shot he's like, coming around. like 30%. Around. Like he needed to get the kinks out, you know, work it out. Like he's he not used to, get to this. Kinks yeah. out. That's See, what's going on with Mark Kelly. He just needs, he's just got to get the kinks come out. On. I, come no, in, drop I was, 51. Is stop for, trying to make Mark Kelly uh, happen. I'm 100% with Haley. I think even the 51 points was a product of the fact that they didn't have it. anything else and that yeah. like everything had to be Beal just hoisting shots because they have nothing else to really operate the offense like he took what was it 37 yeah because the only option they have it. was Brad I love your it. thing I my dude it. I, I like it. it I like Bradley Beal's bringing like I, I you know Marbury Iverson game back you have time Paulo you have time in this it. season I like for it. That let's end this that's a thing that nice little note of savagery that was good so uh, for Haley, Justin, and Paolo, my name is Chris Ryan. Thanks for listening to Group Chat. We'll be back next week. Basketball is very good.